0: Last week, we shared uh, about Jesus being our good shepherd, that our, our good shepherd is one who is leading us and protecting us, comforting us, and guiding us. And it's this reminder that we need uh, almost always, it seems like, uh, but especially in times of uncertainty, that God is this comforting God who goes with us, who we listen to, who is the shepherd of our souls and cares deeply for us. In John chapter 11 we have the uh, the famous story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So let's pick up in our uh, in the gospel as we've been studying through the book of John and please follow along with me in John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. In the book of Romans... I concluded last week's message with an encouraging and comforting word uh, that looked at Jesus as our good shepherd. It says, for your sake, and at the end of Romans 8, in verse 36, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else, in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are told in John chapter 10 that Jesus as our good shepherd is one who will not let anyone or anything Snatch his people, his sheep, from his hand. And so, as Christians, we have this guiding comfort that reminds us in Romans 8 and in John 10 and throughout Scripture that God has rescued and saved us and he has a hold of us. But John chapter 11 is about a story not of God losing someone. He loves, but of when people lose someone they love. That we have this story before us of when we lose a grasp of someone that we care deeply for. In the case of Mary and Martha, they've lost a brother. And I am confident that everyone listening to this, uh, this message today has lost someone they loved. And we understand the comfort and the hope and the encouragement that God won't let anyone snatch uh, snatch His people from His hand. But what about when people we love are taken from us? The the Scriptures encourage us and they help us. But all of us have faced the sorrow and the grief of losing someone we love—a grandma, a spouse, a child, a good friend someone that we care deeply for. And many good ministers will take us to John 11. They will take us there. They will take us to a funeral. They will take us to a graveside. And they will remind us of the comfort of this scripture, that Jesus is greater than death, that Jesus can restore life, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that if we believe in him, we have eternal life. And so as we look at this text, we need to have at the foremost of our heart and foremost of our mind that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the author of life, that he is the creator and perfecter, that he renews all things, and that he is our hope and our salvation. Jesus is the resurrection and life. But if you are like me, there are a couple of things in this text that sort of stand out. The first is that this is, you know, this is that great passage where if you're at uh, Bible camp and they want you to memorize a scripture, you always thank God when they, they throw in Jesus wept. Those were the only points I ever got at Bible memory camp. And so, I, you know, it was only worth one point, but at least I got the one. And then there's the great passage where uh, they, they are talking about Lazarus being in there for four days, and by this time there would be a great odor. Well, in King James Version, it says he stinketh, and that's, you know, that's the only King James uh, Version of Scripture I have memorized in anything, that he stinketh. Uh, but all of those things aside, this text challenges us and, and I think has a great encouragement. And this morning, uh, today, as you hear this, I hope that you will see yourself within this story. I think John has written it in a way that we can identify with everyone involved, with the grief and sadness that we all face. And when you look, when you look at the reaction of both Mary and Martha, they both interact with Jesus at separate times in the story. And they both present to Jesus the same sort of question, and even the crowd also presents the same sort of narrative. That if Jesus were there, if only Jesus were present, then he would have done something about this. He could have kept him from dying. And so so Martha and Mary and even the crowd say, the one that healed the blind, couldn't he have also healed this man from his sickness? And what we get from Jesus is not a hurried rush to come and take care of the problem before it, it resulted in death. Jesus waits. He waits. And he says the point of all of this is going to be that God will get glory. And I don't know about you, but waiting for God to react so that God gets glory, that waiting time is the hardest time of anyone's life. This waiting for Jesus to show up, this waiting for God to answer our prayers, this waiting for God to answer our prayers in the way that we want God to answer them. We are not very patient. We struggle with waiting. We don't know how to wait for what is good. And our life has been this continual reminder. Day after day, week after week, month after month. We are to wait upon the Lord. We are to wait on him to respond and make things new and, and make the world right. Jesus, he waits because he wants to give God glory that people would believe that Jesus was sent from God. And so Jesus is going to make perhaps his most important point about his identity and the power of God, that he would bring his friend back to life, that Jesus is greater than death, that Jesus is greater than sin, that God has the power to make things new. And so what we have found to be true in our life, we know this over and over again, that that the greater the tragedy, the greater the sadness, that when God makes things right, the greater his glory will be. The greater our praise will be when God relieves us of our sadness, relieves us of our grief, and we see his goodness, we will praise him all the more. Mary and Martha, they say, Jesus, if only you were here. If only you had been here, this could have been prevented. I feel like 2020 has been a really long Period of us just sort of saying, if only God, if only God would make this right. If only God would answer my prayers the way I want Him to answer them. If only God would show up. If only God would do what I know He's capable of doing. And every step of the way, I've been asking God, would you show up? Would you respond? Would you do what I know you're capable of doing? And if I'm honest, He hasn't answered prayers the way I've wanted him to answer. If I'm honest, I have been broken and hurting, because I feel like I'm right there in lockstep with Mary and Martha, and I look at the world and I look at my church family, and I just wonder, God, when will you make things right again? I walked over to the building today, and it's lonely. It's lonely to be here without you. If only Jesus would show up, then then maybe things would be right again. And so I feel like I'm in the if-only stage. And the way this story goes is that Jesus does show up. Jesus does show up and he does make things right. And while they were short-sighted and thinking if Jesus were there, he could have prevented his death, Jesus shows up and shows that nothing is greater than him, that Jesus is greater than death and that he is victorious over it. And so Jesus shows up at just the right time to show that he is Lord over all of creation. And he tells tells them that I am the resurrection and the life and that whoever believes in me will not die but have eternal life. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is our response. That in the face of the greatest of tragedy and the hardship and and anger and frustration and grief, that all of the emotion and all of the emptiness and all of the brokenness that we face, there is an answer. And we spend so much time saying, if only, and what John wants to see, that it's only Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to forgive. It's only Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. It's only Jesus who's the bread of life. It's only Jesus who's the living water. It's only Jesus who's the light of the world. It's only Jesus who's the good shepherd. And he's the only one that we live for. When we say that he's the Messiah and the Son of God, we are saying he is the only one that takes first place in my life and nothing else. That only Jesus has the power to forgive and restore and make all things new. And John 11 is this kaleidoscope sort of picture of showing us again and again and again and so many different angles that Jesus is greater than the suffering and sadness and grief and brokenness of death and sin. That he is the one, the only one that we can trust and turn our life to. I was thinking about the life of the disciples. I love Thomas and his, his faith in John 11. He says, Jesus might go to this town and die. We should go with him and die right along with him. And Thomas gets a lot of slack for what he does later, but we should pay attention to this faith, this moment where he gets it right. When he says, let us go with him also, that we might die with him there. We look at this story and I wonder about the disciples. Not when Lazarus dies, but when Jesus dies. And they have this moment where they go into quarantine themselves. And they are filled with doubt, they are filled with anger, frustration, hurt. The greatest grief that you could ever imagine fills the hearts of the disciples. They're in quarantine, and I think they are asking the questions. I think they're saying, if only. If only Jesus had done this. Or if only I had defended him. If only I had a little less cowardice and a little more bravery in my heart. I could have done something to stop this. I think the disciples sit in a room together with locked doors, and they start asking, if only Questions and making if-only statements. Filled with doubt and frustration, we can't really imagine the range of emotions that they were experiencing. But then on Sunday, they are reminded that only Jesus is the resurrection, that only Jesus is the light of the world, that only Jesus is their hope, that it's only Jesus that they can trust. That it's only Jesus who's the Savior of the world to redeem and save and make all things new. When I look at when I look at this life that we have, it's been hard lately. My kids uh, have been cooped up in the house for a while, and. I'm sure some of you have seen a post or I've already told you this story and my kids are tired of hearing it. And Wendy's especially tired of hearing it, but it serves a point. So I'm gonna share it. Last Sunday after we, um, we delivered the message and got everything done, we had lunch and, and I was looking at the week ahead and I just said, Wendy, it's gonna be really busy. It would be really great if we could get away and go to our favorite place uh, besides home in Michigan. My favorite place is on Lake Michigan in a town called Saugatuck, and we love to go there. And it's a great little place to uh, enjoy family and time together. And so it's like, let's go up there and do that. Well, we get across the Michigan border and not too far into it. Uh, we get a flat tire on our van, and then we get uh, the the spare on, and then maybe a half mile up the road, I'm thinking, something's kind of wrong with a spare Let's pull over and evaluate and figure out what in the world we're going to do. And we got off the highway when we got off the highway. Sure enough, the, the, uh, spare tire was leaking air like crazy. And I got a couple of good Samaritans who had nice trucks and I thought those guys definitely have an air compressor. And sure enough they did well, the spare tire wouldn't keep any air. And so then it was like, okay, what do we do? And so we called Uncle Doug, uh, Wendy's Uncle Doug, who lives about 15 minutes away. And, and so he, he came with a spare tire off another Chrysler vehicle, and it was, it was just missing on, on the lug nuts. It wasn't going to work. And so at this time, we're kind of like, all we wanted to do was go to the beach with our family. And if you think 2020 uh, uh, as a whole in just one day, It felt like that was 2020 in a nutshell, that we have something that we want to do, and so many uh, just annoying obstacles in the way. And so we were uh, so discouraged, and Uncle Doug said, well, it looks like uh, you're staying over with us. It was a Sunday, and because of COVID uh, and being a Sunday, there was no tire places open at all. Even the Walmarts were closed from tire repair. So we were stranded in Michigan. We left the van on the side of the road and we uh, went and spent uh, the evening with Uncle Doug and Aunt Jerry uh, up in Michigan. Uh, so it was just kind of like one one thing after the next and it just kind of kept falling apart. But within all of it, we still ended up making it to a beach. We went to South Haven, not Saugatuck. Uncle Doug let us borrow his truck and we had our swimsuits on and it was like, well, it's still sunny out let's go and enjoy that so we still went to the beach and we had enjoyed some much needed time with family and uh, it was a real blessing uncle doug and aunt jerry they didn't have uh, power from the bad storm that we had the friday before they still didn't have power so we just kind of camped out we didn't have power it was like we had a camping adventure uh, to south haven monday morning when we were heading home we got the tire fixed and everything And this is the reason why I tell you this story. My sweet daughter, Ellie, she said, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad, for the early birthday present. Now, Ellie's birthday is tomorrow. But I was driving home pretty frustrated, feeling uh, pretty far behind on my work. I I didn't intend on taking Monday morning off, uh, but I had to uh, and canceled several appointments and meetings that I needed to be at. I was frustrated about just wanting to go and do something. And then the sweet innocence and perspective of a child who got to experience family and go to the beach and make new experiences, saying, hey, Dad, thank you for the early gift. When we are going through hardship, when we're going through all of the difficulty of life, And we take a look at John 11. We see the grief and the sorrow of Mary and Martha. And maybe we've become really familiar with the story and we know how it turns out and it doesn't catch us as much. But what we see, probably the most important thing, right alongside all of this story, is not just the easiest text to memorize, but perhaps one of the most important truths of all of the Bible, that Jesus sees our grief. That God knows of our pain. That God knows how we how we feel. And he weeps right alongside of us, even though he knows the power that he has to restore life. Jesus knows what is to come, but even in the present moment, Jesus grieves with us. He weeps. And we know that God is going to make things right. And one day, like the innocence of my child, we will be able to say to our Father, thank you for seeing us through. And thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for leading us through all of the pain. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for being present with us. Thank you for knowing how it feels and walking right alongside us. Thank you for being present with us. giving us life. He's right there with us. Whatever is going on in your life and whatever sorrow, whatever grief, whatever is happening, we can know two things, that Jesus is with us and Jesus has the power to make it right. He waits four days with Lazarus. I don't know how long he's going to wait with you. But when I read in the scriptures, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and I read Martha's response, I find myself very clearly knowing what my response needs to be. Jesus asks a question of her, Do you believe this? And she says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When we confess Jesus as Christians, there are many steps in the journey informing forming us. But foremost, I believe it is a response to this. Who do we believe Jesus to be? Do you believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? And if you believe that, then it's only Jesus. It's only him who gets to reside in your heart. It's only Jesus who you live for. It's only Jesus who you trust. It's only Jesus who you can hope in. It's only Jesus. And if you're like me, you've struggled with that. You've struggled with placing him first. And we look at the world and we look at what's going on around us and we look at all of the things that we want to control but we can't control and it's this really hard struggle to say, I trust only in Jesus. Because if I'm honest, I want to say that I have trusted in money, that I've trusted in things that would protect me and insulate me, I, that I've trusted in my own pride and ego, that I've trusted only in myself. And John chapter 11 is this reminder and encouragement that it needs to be only about Jesus. And it's not about who holds the highest office in our land, but it's who holds the highest office in our hearts. That Jesus would be Lord, that he would be your Savior, that he would be your King, that he would be the Messiah, that it's only Jesus and nothing else. So I invite you to take a careful examination as I also have to take a careful examination and answer a very simple but very important question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that he is the one you can trust who walks with you who cares deeply for you? Do you believe him to be the bread of life and the living water, the light of the world, and the good shepherd of your soul? Will you listen to him? And will you follow him? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? And if you do, if it's true, then friends, we know that he is the resurrection and the life. And while we have people in our life that we love dearly who get taken from us, we know that they are not taken from Jesus. That nothing will separate us from the love of God through Christ. May these words find comfort in your soul today to know that Jesus is Lord That he is greater than sin and death. That he has forgiven you. And you have life in his family. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the hope of salvation and life in your son, Jesus Christ. That today we would know quite truly that you are greater than death. That you are greater than suffering. That you are greater than the problems that we are facing in today's world knowing, God, that you are faithful and present and here in your spirit. So, God, we repent of all of the times that we have thought that we are in control, and that Jesus wasn't in first place in our hearts and our lives, that Jesus wasn't the focus of our minds, that our, our mind was not on your kingdom but on our own. So we ask God to have you please restore us to you and restore our minds and our hearts. That if we are in the midst of grief and sadness, if we are saying things like, if only you would have done this, or if only you would do this, where our doubts and our frustrations are having its way on our hearts and our minds, God, you would help us to not say if only, but only Jesus reminding ourselves of the hope that we have in you, reminding ourselves of the glory that's to come, that all creation will shout that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow and confess the Lordship of Christ, that there is a glory coming that we know nothing about. We have only tasted a glimpse of it. God, to know that you will make all things new, that you will wipe every tear from our eyes, that all of the grief and all of the sadness, all of the sorrow, all of the sin, all of the death will be done away with, and we will have the joy of Jesus, the joy of your presence, the glory of your splendor around us. We will shout with all of creation, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, we will praise you. And we know that the praise will come. And so let us praise you now. Stir in our hearts, God, a love for you and a love for others. Remind us of our commitment and our confession that Jesus is Lord that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is our Good Shepherd and the light of the world, that Jesus is the bread of life for each day, the living water that springs to eternal life. Let our lives be only for Jesus and only with Jesus and only under Jesus and only in Him we love you and we thank you for sending your son to seek and save the lost that we might have a kingdom where we have life and hope new relationships and forgiveness we thank you and we praise you guide us and comfort us lead us Lord the shepherd of our souls in Jesus name Amen. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Messiah, that's the first step in a long journey of discovering that there is life and hope and salvation in him. We would love to walk with you. We want to do that face-to-face, but for now it might just be over the telephone. It might just be through some other form of technology or whatever. But we want to be with you and help you to know what we've believed in our hearts to be true. And sometimes we forget and sometimes we mess up. But we want everyone to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the Messiah. That he's greater than death. He's greater than all of the trouble that we face. That it's only Jesus who we live for. May God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you. And until we meet again, may you have his comfort and peace in knowing that Jesus is Lord and that he died for you. And God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. May that comfort you today. God bless.